Hello friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm your host Mark Heath as ever and with me as ever is the second of the Kings still working gainfully and not on furlough. Hutchie Hogan, Andy Warren, how are you? Hello. Uh, yes, I am. I'm fine. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, there's Again, there's quite a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, uh, much going on still without any actual football. But before we go anywhere, we have to catch up on you. Because last week you had some very exciting stuff going on in your house. You're having new windows, new doors, you're getting a new mattress. Things were good in the Warren household. Uh, just brings up to speed on that, Hutchie. How have all those new additions worked out? Three, th- three things. Uh, windows, door, mattress. Windows complete. Mm-hmm. Very good. They open. Our house is now significantly cooler as a result. Uh, mattress, excellent. Uh, very comfortable. Um, I'm beginning to kind of mould my own shape into the foam, yeah. which, which I can rest in, which is wonderful. Uh, new door, not done yet cause delay from supplier there's your update three essential purchases two that complete a grade incomplete on the door but we do or we do have a door it's not just like an open (laughs) yeah opened open gateway to the house there is there is a door in place it's just not a very good one it's not the door as yet it's not the door um, on the mattress front, what are you uh, a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a front sleeper? This is important. Definitely not a front sleeper. Um, I tend, I reckon I'm, I reckon I'm fifty-fifty side and back. Uh, yeah. If it's my side, it's my right side facing out. Um, if it's my back, clearly, clearly it's facing up. Um, yeah, I'm probably 50-50, 50-50 split on that. I'll often go to sleep in one of those and wake up in the other. That's uh, a pretty standard night. What about you? Uh, I'm very much uh, a, a side sleeper. The what side? What, what side? Uh, yeah. Mostly left. Left. Interesting. Are you on the? Are you facing in on your left or facing out on your left? Facing out. Facing out, we're on the same. We're on the same side of the bed. It's no, we're not. You've got no, we're not. We're on opposite sides of the beds. You need sides, though, don't you? That's that's a rule of life. Yeah, I, yeah, we do. There's a there's a there's some mixed messaging on that in our house. Um, we've we've. This is not my doing. If it, if I had my way, I'd very much stay on my side, but. When we've moved houses before, or changed beds or rooms and stuff, we've um, we have been known to switch. So um, I'm currently not on my favoured side, but I'm making the best of it. That's mental. That's mental. You don't have set sides. That that's like a, a, a life rule. You have to have set sides. Not up to me, mate. This isn't. This is none of my doing. If it if it was down to me, I'd be uh, I'd be um, stuck to my side. But there are there are factors at play. Um, Absolutely. Um, we're getting some exciting new stuff on Friday, Hutch. We've got the fire pit, which I've uh, spoke about previously on, on podcast. That's great. Had several burn ups in that. Um, and we're getting a new uh, garden sofa this weekend, hopefully. Oh, very nice. Good company, that. So look out for it to piss it down with rain and lightning this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I do apologize. Hey. 
the minute it arrives, the heavens yeah. open. <laughs> anyway, is Benson just going to take up residence on that? Yeah, he very much will. Whenever the sun's on it, Benson will be on it. I can imagine. Um, take up all of it. Prove very hard to move. Uh, he's got a, he's got a way of making himself. Oh, he's already heavy, but into a, a serious dead weight, and he doesn't want to move. Um, anyway, Hutchie, enough furniture chat. As exciting that, as that is for everyone, shall we talk about football? Shall we talk about Ipswich Town? Shall we talk? Yeah, we'll save we'll save the rest for the furniture podcast. <laughs> shall we talk about the ongoing drama that is the League One season? Um, still, no decision. Just rolling on and on and on. We don't expect anything to happen this week either. Um, we're looking hopefully at a vote maybe on Monday. <clears throat> but as you did a, um, a bit with the your fellow League One writers from around the country, actually, which went up online yesterday, that's Tuesday, um, it doesn't appear signed, sealed and delivered that it is just going to be cancelled. No, um, although I still think that is the way it will go. It's not, it's not, garan- it's not guaranteed. Um, like you said, Monday... Monday could well be the day. We've we've said that before, of course, but Monday Monday could be the day. There's two votes to come. One on whether or not to accept the EFL's preferred framework for finishing seasons, which clubs have had until last night, I believe, to kind of respond to and give their critique to. So so that's kind of been done. They'll be presented with that and they'll either vote for it. Um or against it when, when they're voting for it, they're voting for that to kind of be, I'm led to believe to be kind of written into um, the laws of the EFL for seasons going forward. So when we next have the joy of a global pandemic, it should be a lot more simple. Um, but yeah, there's that vote, and then and then it's that then it's down to the individual leagues to vote whether whether to finish the season or not. The piece you've mentioned there it was kind of polling the 23. 23 clubs and um it's it's pretty split there's um 11 11 who pretty clearly are going to be voting to end the season and that ranges all the way from the top two a couple of teams in 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 playoff contention and then the majority of the bottom half there are nine that are up for carrying on um including ipswich um the rest of the playoff contenders and then Tranmere in the relegation zone. And then there are three clubs, three clubs that are kind of on the fence and have yet to make a decision and are happy to go with the flow. And that's Doncaster, MK Dons and Southend. And they really hold the, hold the key in this because you need 13, um, sorry, a majority of majority of 12 in a league of, in a league of 23 teams. So all it really needs is for for one of those to to vote to end the season. Um, they've all got their own circumstances, but really, if one of those or more vote to end the season, it looks like that's what's going to happen. But it's certainly not certainly not guaranteed because there are reasons why you would think at least two of those would fancy carrying on, but you never know. Mm. Regardless of, of what happens, I mean, in terms of time frames, they're really running out of time, aren't they? If they do vote to carry on you look at the obviously the premier league are looking at i think june the 12th i think they're looking at um championship june the 20th and those those sides are back in training and are looking to step up training and obviously town at the moment aren't allowed to train um efl have put out over the weekend last week saying that sides in the in league one and league two can't return to training 
on May 25th as planned because A, they're waiting for the season um, decision and B, they need to sort out all the coronavirus testing and stuff as well. So if they do surprisingly vote to carry on, I, I can't I can't see the time frame works anyway. That's June the 1st next week and they've got to get back into training and then they've got to have a date to start and finish the season within 56 days. Uh, and before, obviously, I said July 31st, I think must be the end of the season. So, still, I still can't see it working. I, I would still be shocked. Um, but our friend, Mr. Norwood, notable for his lockdown hair, he's been having his say as well, hasn't he, Hutchie, about the, uh, the fairness of ending the season and then using points per game to decide the relegation places. Obviously, he has a vested interest in Tranmere, but he's um, he's not a fan of it. No, and you can ignore uh, Tranmere. They, Tran- Tranmere of last night submitted their own um, their own proposal to amend the um, the EFL framework for ending the season, which talks about um, bringing in kind of margin margin for error, um, giving teams the benefit of the doubt for form changes um, coming on strong in the in the season, that kind of thing, which is something Tranmere have done. Like they they won promotion obviously from League Two last season. Um, and they weren't even in the playoffs um, with this amount of games to go in, in the last campaign and ended up winning them. So that they, they know that coming on late in the season is a is something that they've specialised in. They're currently three points adrift um, of Wimbledon. I believe I think it's Wimbledon at the bottom of the table and have a game in hand. So for them to be relegated on points per game is pretty galling, um, which which is what what James Norwood was saying, but I can I can completely understand why Tranmere in particular um, really aren't having this because they're I think the Nic- Nicola Palios, who's the, the vice chair up there with her husband Mark being the chair, um, has said that it's grossly unfair that Tranmere are going to have their League One place taken away from them without uh, being given the chance to defend it. Whereas teams in League Two, who are going to be competing in the playoffs, are going to be given the chance to try and take it, um, and that isn't fair. Um, points per game isn't fair, and that that's why this situation is so messy because there there are teams that it suits to to wrap up now, and there are teams that would really lose out if if that's the way that it goes. There is no fair way of doing it, though, is there? However, if you don't complete the season, however you decide then decide the season, someone's going to be pissed off. Yeah. There's no way of, of keeping everyone happy. No, no, there isn't. And the, the fair way of doing it is playing each team home and away. <laughs> that's the, the, the fair way. That, that's why a football season is constructed as it is, yeah. Um, yeah. rather than playing a certain amount of games and then bringing in the maths. But this is clearly exceptional exceptional circumstances but yeah I can fully understand that anybody that's having a sort of a history altering event for them as a club um, being decided using a formula which which doesn't I think what, what James Norwood was saying is it doesn't take into account account sort of fight and heart and desire and, and that kind of thing and I think Darren McCanton, he said it as well. There are a few other chairmen that have said the same thing, that they fully believe that if the season was played out in full, that Tranmere would have stayed up the way that they were going. They were on a, they were on a run of three successive wins before this this all hit um, and were very much the form team in that 
area of the table. So um, there's every chance Tranmere would have stayed up, but sadly points per game um, and the very nature of that formula means that their game in hand is not, that they haven't got a chance to win that game in hand. The best they can take from it is probably around 1.1 of a point, 1.1 points, which is what their points per game tally is. So um, maybe even less than that. So they're not even, they're not going to have a chance to win their game in hand. Mm. Interesting time. So next Monday is the next key date, June the first. Look out for that. Actually, in terms of moving on, you uh, you broke a good story on Friday. Caden Jackson, thriller, town striker, current tied leading scorer with Norwood. Um, there's some issues there. He's, he's not signing a new contract. There's, there's interest on the championship. Just brings up to speed with that. Yeah, co- co- contract talks have been going on with with Caden for quite some time, well before, well before any, um, possibly even before Christmas. I think we did a pre- I did a previous story saying that an agreement was close, which it was, um, but that stalled. Um, it's not through a desire for Caden to. He's not pushing for a move. He's not asking to leave. He he wanted to sign that deal, but it's just a case of him not feeling that the contract he was being offered was a a fair one, given given his contribution as a, a top scorer this season, in comparison to to maybe what some others were earning. And given that at his age, I think he's twenty six, um, this should really be the biggest contract of his career. It was a, a longer term deal, three or four years. So taking him to, to 30, um, as good as. So it needed to be a, needed to be a good one. And I, I've seen that, obviously, the reaction to that story w- was mixed. Um, I, I've seen 50-50 split, really, in terms of people being really disappointed that a player that has, has done really quite well this season was not being tied down and then there are others that were, were saying well what, what does he expect in this kind of climate and it, it it's not it he's not at the table kind of begging for a new deal now in in what is clearly a really difficult time for football this was all going on prior prior to football's suspension but it's where it's been left um he's got one year left on his contract there are clubs in the in the championship looking at him and also some some top end league league one clubs as well possibly possibly clubs that are going to be going into the championship for next season so um there are clubs interested in him there have been in the past as well mm. um, we'll see where that one goes um he'd still be open to signing a new one i think but clearly clearly negotiations on that are going to be difficult now he's obviously looking for a pay rise I think everyone is in a when when you sign a new contract, aren't they? I, I, I'm led to believe it's not. He, he's certainly not going in there asking for to burst into the new stratosphere in terms of salary. It's more sort of recognising his contribution in the squad compared to some other players in there, and and the the offer from Ipswich wasn't wasn't good enough in in his eyes. So, so it's just been parked. It's, it wouldn't surprise me if it was one that did get done eventually, but. Um, Clearly, clearly at this time, it's probably not going to be that. He's got one year left on his contract and then the standard option as well. So really, he's contracted for, for two years, which is a, a fair old 
a fair old time, more than two seasons. So um, nothing to overly panic about at this stage, but 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 it's not been resolved in the way that either party thought it was going to be. Mm. Just on the contract front, is there any update on um, Luke Garbutt, things like that? Are they is that all still ticking on or? Um, I don't think there'll be any update on that until there needs to be, because um, yeah. there's not at the moment. Well, he he can only be an Ipswich player to the end of June, so um, it just remains to be seen if there's a reason for him to be kept around as a loan player or not. I think the minute that this season gets knocked on the head, um, both he and, and Will Norris's loans will end. Uh, but if there's a hope of of playing games again, and if we still believe that if they're going, going to play their league schedule out, that they have a chance of pushing into the playoffs late on, then then Garbutt and Norris are, are two that they really want around to do that. But until there's actually a schedule known for anything in terms of getting back on the pitch, then um, no, there's no no real update there. Alan, sexy stuff, Faxon. Which would sound something like "Ding Dong." <laughs> <laughs> Town have made a signing in the last week. They've signed a young winger, young hungry winger, eager to prove himself from Berry Town. He's an Ipswich lad. His name's Ross Crane. He's only seventeen, Hutchie. What can you tell us about this? Uh, left winger. Yeah. Um, which is good. Um, it's, um, He's he's obviously a young lad, Ipswich lad, who's had some contact with the academy in the past. Um, played one season in the senior side at, at Berry, which Ipswich watch quite closely, quite regularly, um, due to links there that they've been in the past. The current they currently when things were stopped, there are a couple of younger younger lads currently on on loan at Berry. Um, Jack Lancaster's been in there in the past. Alan Lee, of course, the former Ipswich strikers on the board. So they, they know what's going on at Berry. They keep a close eye on that, and they like what they saw from the, from this young man. Um, a two-year professional contract at 17. Um, primarily, primarily he's going to be kicking on in the under 23s and looking to make an impact there. But you never know. You never know. People people make accelerations into first team picture a lot quicker uh, than you expect sometimes. Like Jack Lancaster suddenly appeared one. One summer, Dobra last summer made the jump. Um, you never know, but my hunch there is that he'll have some under twenty three football to play at some point and um, begin to make his way as a professional. Yeah, good stuff. I'm hoping to speak to Ben Chenery, very town manager, at some point today to get viewers from him about Ross and and, and what he can offer town going forward. Um, and in terms of other new things, Hutchie, and our news roundup, um, new kits are on the horizon. Which was town kits, and excitingly, the quote I believe from uh, from your man at the club was something special is going to be unveiled probably in June. So, can you give us any kind of insight there? What what what, what do you know? What what's your hunch? Um, I wish I could. I wish I could, but these this is the most closely guarded secret um, in football at Ipswich Town. Mm. This, uh, this is very much need to know basis territory, and it's and it's very regularly deemed that we do not need to know. Um, but 
in terms of the release, I think it was due to be released today, actually, which was the original due date, release date, either today or tomorrow, I think, um, from what I've been told. But that's been put back due to um, due to the virus crisis. It's just pushed everything back, um, kind of getting the, the photo shoots done. Uh, just hasn't been possible. Um, they're working on some new different ways of doing that. Um, which may look a little different to how they normally reveal these kits. But, um, but yeah, I, it's going to be a bit special, is what um, what Lee Hyde, who's the, the retail director of retail at Ipswich, has, has said. And I um, spoke to him about that this week. Um, he's really excited about, about these kits. He thinks it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really popular with the fans. And it, this kit was signed off, I believe, last summer, not long after... The current new kit which i really like was released so and and i've been hearing since then how pleased they are with it and and how excited they are for for fans to see it so sadly i can't tell you anything other than the fact the home kit's blue <laughs> um, which it definitely is um because i don't know and no no nobody knows not many people will have seen it so um yeah, looking forward to seeing what they've come up with there, but they're 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 really confident that it'll be something the fans love. You wonder if some kind of nod to anniversaries of great seasons past. Obviously, the 20th anniversary of the the uh, the Premier League season where they finished fifth is coming up. The UEFA Cup as well. Um, is that something they they would consider? Do you think or? I mean, obviously they did, think, they did the orange kit, didn't they, a few years back as a kind of nod to the times gone by. Orange, orange is regularly in the in the, the Ipswich Town rotation colour palette every every few years. An orange kit turns up, including last season's effort that looked like a um, highway maintenance <laughs> vest, um, but. I, yeah, I, it could it could well be. I, I think I've, the, one, the one little thing I have been told about it is there are some nice little nice little touches in there that that are going to be the, the, the difference makers. Just little, little things. Um, who knows? I'd be surprised if they they it was a nod to the Wembley win in the playoffs now because that's kind of been and gone. But next season leads up to the 40th anniversary of the 1981 UEFA Cup win. So, um, yeah, that would be that would be a really nice touch if it was based around that at all. We shall see. Maybe they'll bring back the tie neck. The what? The tie neck. You know, the, uh, what are they called? Uh, I can't remember which year it was now, but they had the, the neck tie, didn't they? A little lacing around the neck. All oh, the laces. Yeah, yeah, that from '92. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love the fact you know straight away what year that is. '92, of course it was. And I feel quite stupid, but um, yeah. Imagine if they brought that back, eh? Do you reckon you can do that now? Do you do you think football regulations would allow? It's probably against health and safety. Isn't yeah, there's it? probably something written in there that says you can't do that, which which is a shame because it's a great kit. Yeah. I'd love them to go full Maverick and do something like that. Obviously, that's not possible. But and make them really baggy, like yes. like they were then. Just make them massive, yeah. like wearing a tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now then, we're coming to the end of our news roundup, Hutchie, which means we need an and finally, which is normally my time to shine. 
as I write some ridiculous nonsense about town on a weekly basis. This week, however, it's your time to shine, as it always is. Because over the weekend, you reveal, Kutchie, that town are top of a table. It's a very important table. Maybe not the table you want to be top of. But hey, it's nice to be top anyway. So uh, just tell people about this. Yeah, it's it's very much a table that, um, yeah, I'm not sure you want to be top of it. Sadly, sadly Ipswich are, in, in inverted commas, the most successful second tier team since the advent of the Premier League in 92, uh, ahead of Wolves by two points. They've collected the most Division One championship points in the last, uh, what's that, 28 years. Uh, and obviously they're top of that table at a time when they're not even in that league, um, languishing mid-table in the, in the third tier. So it's not really a badge of honour, but it is a nod to Ipswich's wonderful consistency at making the playoffs and only securing promotion from them once in in 28 years. So, uh, yeah, not sure... Not sure how good an accolade that really is. Yeah, it's a damning faint praise, isn't it? Yeah. It's that kind of the runners up league, essentially. Yeah, it's up to you how you look at that one. That's either that's either a nod to um, seven appearances in the playoffs and ultra consistency under George Burley and being battling away at the top of the league under Joe Royal and then a, a good season with Mick McCarthy. Um or you can look at it as in that time actually only spending six years outside of the championship in 28 seasons, which um, which isn't isn't great. No. Well, Let's have the glass full. Let's have the glass half full. Let's remember the the good side, the good times in that because there were some some good times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll get back to them. That's the news roundup done then, Hutchie. Shall we get on to mailbag? We've had a lot of questions again, but first, of course, we need the traditional sounding of the starting pistol for mailbag, which is your dulcet tones. Mailbag, mailbag, it's time for Mark and Andy to dip into the mailbag. Man, you went high with that one. It's got, if you've got it in your locker, you may as well use it. <laughs> I'm going to start with some questions that we've had in via um, DM, which often get missed. Um, so we've had a few over the last month or so, which I don't want people to think we're ignoring. Um, so first of all, Simon English. He says, I'm missing restaurants, and in particular the moment when, with a crumble or pie for dessert, I am offered ice cream, cream or custard. At this point, my wife cringes. But she knows I'll then ask the waiter, waitress, for all three. Mrs. English thinks this is poor form. Do you think it is? And also, what would be your choice when asked the same question in an eatery? Simon says, we must have this answer before we exit lockdown. Thanks again for all you're doing, chaps. It's hugely appreciated. No, Simon, you're hugely appreciated. Thanks for listening. Um, so, Hutchie, you're, you're having some apple pie or something in a restaurant. You get the ice cream, cream or custard conundrum. First of all, what are you saying? And is it is it really poor form to say all three, please? I wouldn't be going for all three myself. Um, 
first off, I'd rule Preem out immediately. Mm-hmm. Not, not massively into Preem. Um, on an apple, if we're, talk, if we're talking apple pie, apple crumble, I'd go custard, I think. Yes. But um, I'd consider ice cream. I would think of it um, because with a vast array of other desserts, ice cream would be my choice. But if we're particularly talking about apple crumble or an apple pie, custard immediately, I would not even consider cream. I, I, I just not. There's nothing that I would choose to have cream on ahead of any of those. What are you saying on the custard? Is it sort of filthy, um, cheap custard, or you do like the the, the proper uh, vanilla style custard where you can see the, the little bits of vanilla in it? I quite like the horrible cheap custard. Nothing wrong with that, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm absolutely fine with it. Simon, in response to your question, is it poor form to ask for all three? Uh, you can tell your missus, I don't think so. You're in a restaurant. The whole idea is is that you do what makes you happy within legal limits. Um, so I think if you if you want all three, my friend, get all three. If that makes you happy, that's what you're there for. Do it. Um, let's see who's next here. Did, what would you have? Uh, me, I'm, I'm with you, mate. I'm I'm a big devotee of custard. Um, I do like cream and, and ice cream as well, but I think probably. Certainly with a crumble-style vibe, definitely custard. Uh, and unlike you, I, I don't really care what sort of custard it is. All custard's good custard, as well, I'm concerned. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the saying. Patrick Palmer, what body parts of the other kings would each of you take to make up a Cyberman-esque Superman? This is from Patrick. Loving the show, avid background listener, and grateful for your anchor of sanity in these insane times. I've never been called an anchor of sanity before, actually, but um, I'll take it. So double yeah. body parts. Let's first of all let's do the absent kings, shall we? So if we're having, if we're making some kind of uh, Frankenstein's monster, what what body parts are we taking from uh, from the Doctor and and Roscoe? There's only one candidate from Ross. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, I don't know if I need any of his body parts <laughs> aside aside from his beard, yeah. which I'd take for kind of aesthetic aesthetic purposes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll take uh, we'll take Ross's beard. Yeah. And, unless you've got any, have you got anything else we could take from from Ross? No. His, I mean, ac- I, his I, accent. I, I, his accent's good, yeah. If we could have a, a Frankenstein's monster speaking with, with a very Suffolk accent, that'd be good. And also yeah. an excellent beard. So th- let's do that. We'll take Ross's beard and accent. Sort of um, his mouth area and everything. We'll take his mouth. He's like, maybe we could take his chin slash mouth <laughs> and then we'll get we'll get the whole package there. Yeah. Um, how about Stewie? Um... I don't know. I'm taking taking Stewie's thighs. Has he got nice thighs? He's got powerful thighs, my friend. His thighs. Huh? We'll have his thighs. Stewie's thighs. Now, when it comes to you, Hutch, you've already established several times that um, you've got 
a myriad of attractive body parts. You've got too many of anything. You've got the eyelashes. You've got the the calves, the boulders, just above your socks. What else what have you do got? you want? Uh, I've got some on. Yeah, I've I've got. We're kind of missing larger. I, I, before we get to me, I, I kind of think we might just need your frame, just your general frame, <laughs> um, because at the moment we're not going to have any kind of torso. Yeah, but you are in the best shape of, and, and we want this Frankenstein monster to be quite useful. Right. Um, right. So I would suggest that whatever we haven't taken from Ross, Stu, and myself, yeah, we then we then just use you to kind of fill in all of the gaps, which includes kind of general body. Um, <laughs> if that. If you're okay with that. Of course, mate. I'm a donor card carrier, so take it all. Although I will just have... in lockdown, it, it's becoming more of a kind of broken down temple than any kind of fortress. Uh, That's fine. Any kind of duel that this Frankenstein's going to get into will be coming up against a similarly uh, lockdown fatigued creature. <laughs> so, no, I, I think in general, if we're, if we're building this machine for fighting, we need... We need our fighter to to be the a large amounts of the of the parts. Okay, we'll take we'll take my general canvas. But from you, my friend, we've got to have the calves, haven't we? You can have my calves if you my calves and Stu's thighs. Yeah, that's what we um, With your upper body strength and and Ross's accent. <laughs> <laughs> we'll batter him, boy. We'll kick your ass, boy. Um. <laughs> I want your I want your eyelashes as well, mate. I've got to be honest. Stick them on, yeah. Stick stick them on. This is going to be the, the craziest monster, Suffolk Frankenstein. What a beautiful monster! Let's make that film. <laughs> right then, back, back to football. Nigel G. Friend of the show from Lion Warrior. I'm Lion Warrior. Thank you for your service. Um, Nigel wants to know when the mess around how the leagues will finish is sorted. Will league authorities learn from this and insert clauses into the rules on how future seasons will be decided if something similar happens again, e.g. decisions based on various time uh, slash points the season has reached? So hashtag stay safe. The answer is yes, isn't it, Hutchie? That's basically what they're doing about the vote. Yeah, yeah the, largely this, this framework that the EFL have put forward is that that's the idea with that, is that that will become um, a large part of um the law of, of the game so in the event of a season not being finished that's what would that's what would happen it's interesting what nigel said about kind of time scales though because clearly we're we're talking about a season where all this all this kind of boardroom level drama is happening with a 75 percent complete season um would a season that's curtailed in November, for example, be be dealt with in the same way because mm. there's significantly more room for manoeuvre in in that and so much more room for things to have potentially changed. That that will be interesting to see how those rules are actually actually written in because we're we're this 
all this negotiation is currently being being sort of bent around a, a time frame where there's three quarters of the season done, but what fits now kind of fits now isn't mm. necessarily mm. acceptable at the twenty five percent mark. Who knows? Maybe that maybe maybe there's a mark where up, up to a mark becomes the null and void zone. I don't know. Yeah, like boxing, yeah, like boxing. obviously boxing's boxing, the boxing. best sport around. If if a fight goes past four rounds and it goes to the scorecards, it's ended on a cut or something. But if if four rounds aren't completed, then the whole thing all the no contest. So you need a you need a cut off point, don't you? I think. Yeah. You can't end the season in like say November and then say, Well, whoever's top's gonna win the league. Not the right way. Yeah. You need to have a no, I think you're right. You need a few more rounds completed. Um, yeah. Kevin wants to know how many season tickets have we sold. We'll come to that in a minute. He says, also, the more I think about it, null and void seems a better option because I hear Rotherham still had six of the top ten still to play, whereas Tranmere were on a good run prior to suspension of the league. So that's something we've already talked about. Tranmere certainly have an argument. Season tickets, actually, you did a bit... Um, I've, I've totally lost track of how long ago it was now because obviously time vanishes in these in these uh, odd times. Um, but, but season ticket sales are going pretty well, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I think they were reasonably happy with, with the amount. I can't, I can't tell you a number, um, but I think they were reasonably happy with the number that had allowed the direct debit to continue and not and not cancelled. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll try and find I'll try and find out a bit more in terms of what kind of number that's reached. Mm. They need to be telling us a bit about refunds as well, don't they? That's got to be. Yeah, it's still. They're still they're still talking about that. They've not made a decision on how they're on how they're going to do that. I think there's there's a chance they could get relatively creative with it, um, while acknowledging that they probably need to offer a refund, um, mm-hmm. despite them being very much not keen to do that because it could. I think I think refunds would cost them in the region of seven fifty eight hundred thousand pounds in one hit to give, which is obviously a substantial amount of money. They go off them though, haven't they? If if people have paid for season tickets, and obviously whatever happens with the season, they ain't going to get to see these remaining games because there's going to they're going to be behind closed doors, even if it, even if they do happen. Can't not offer a refund to people. No, no, no. I think they know that, despite despite not wanting to be in a position where they have to do that i think it could well be that there's a there's a case where yes you can you can have the refund but there's also maybe some incentives to to um to kind of leave your money in the club because pe- people like with the the renewal of the season ticket that we talked about for quite some time on on this before there are going to be people in different camps on this i think i think on average you're kind of looking maybe at if in terms of a refund, you're maybe looking at around ninety pounds, something like that. Mm. And there'll be some people who completely understandably will be no, no, I've not, I've not been to a quarter essentially of the the games I was due to go to. Um, I'd like I'd like my money back, please, and that's obviously absolutely fine. But there will be others that have spent that money already and had kind of written it off in their minds um because it was spent so long ago um that might be incentivized to leave that leave that money in the club 
um, if there was kind of incentives thrown their way. So be interesting to see what they come up with on that one. Mm. Matt Thomas, friend of the show. He likes fighting and that. Yeah, good old Matt. He says a certain amount of positivity garnered by Lambert and his actions on arrival have dissipated since November. What can he, the club and players realistically do to win back those that have become disillusioned again? And then he says, aside from winning every game, that's too obvious. So Hachi, last week on the Thursday, we held a, a virtual chat for various members of uh, the Ipswich Town fandom. We had a lot of people from the KOA Army get involved in that. It was good. Um, and as part of that, we we're looking at a five-point plan to restore town to some semblance of, of the side that they were in, in 2000. Um, and the big, the big word, which I think you take away from it, for Lambert and co, was consistency. Consistency in selection, consistency in tactics and system. So that would be my answer to Matt here. Be consistent. What do you reckon? Um, Matt's not going to like it, but the only answer to this question for me is, if we're talking about Lambert, in the mm. short term, is is what he said there about winning games. Um, yeah, you want to do that with some consistency, but in terms of um, in terms of kind of winning fans back and getting fans back on side, they they need to win. Um, Paul needs to needs to show fans that he's the the right man to to build to build something and. Um, yeah, there are reasons why he could be, and there are reasons that he, you know, this season has shown that maybe, maybe he isn't. Um, but win, win games. I, I know, I know it's really boring, but you've got all the all the things that we talked about about being consistent, give young, like develop a style, give young players a chance, um, sell them at their peak of value, and reinvest elsewhere, like like Burley and Cheap Shanks did in in the nineties, but. Those were things that we were looking for from them from sort of August, September. This that, That's what this season was about. So as boring as it is, it, it's about winning. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, Hutchie. If you want to listen to that open house, it is also available as a podcast. So it should have appeared in your feed if you're a subscriber. And if you're not, why not? Subscribe and get all our, our weekly stuff in your inbox. Now then, Hutchie, we've come to... The elephant in the room section of mailbag. A couple of rumours emerging over the weekend, which got a few people quite excited. And Jack and Blue Shirt 1979 have both asked the same kind of question. Have you heard anything regarding the Mike Ashley rumours? And Jack says, would you take Mike Ashley as Ipswich owner? Laughing face. So essentially, this all stemmed from a story that was online on the mirror in which um, it was kind of speculated that Mike Ashley was interested in buying a League One club. Didn't name the club, but they said the club previously won the league and FA Cup, which obviously ticks Towns boxes and also other other teams in the league as well. Um, and that's it. That's all it was. Nothing more than that. And from that, a lot of people have, uh, have taken it as gospel that Mike Ashley is going to buy Ipswich Hutchie. Yeah, um, that that one has has got a bit. Some certain people have got a little little maybe overexcited. I don't know if, ex- if excited is the right word or not when it comes to Mike Ashley, but excited with, with that one. Um, the report talked about a team that had 
slid some way down the football pyramid, having won um, both the FA Cup and the league. And currently, Ipswich are the lowest, I believe, are the lowest uh, ranked club in the football pyramid for for whom that applies. Um, uh, The other two, I think the other two in League One to have won both the FA Cup and the league are Portsmouth and Sunderland. Now, um, still looking into this one a little bit, but from from the people I have spoken to about it, they they had not they had not heard anything about Mike Ashley wanting to buy Ipswich Town. He's still trying to sell Newcastle, which um, mm. by the sounds of things that might have hit the rocks a little bit today from some, from a couple of headlines I read. Um, so even if that was the case, there's still it's not something that's going to be happening happening imminently. We know we know that under the right scenario, that Marcus Marcus Evans would sell Ipswich, um, but it has to be the right scenario, um, and that he would be quite careful as to who who he sold it to. Um, so it's an interesting one. Ipswich clearly do fit the bill there. A club that would be available and. And tick the boxes. I'm always, always a little bit sceptical when the clubs aren't named in things like this. Um, but wouldn't it be hilarious if it was Sunderland? That would be jump straight out of Newcastle into Sunderland, who clearly, clearly are available. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm led to believe would be available for a significantly cheaper price than. Than Ipswich Town, um, and you could probably argue as well that there's, while there's some real financial issues coming for Sunderland, given that their parachute money runs out this summer, and in all likelihood they're still going to be a League One club, so there's some financial trouble on the horizon there. But you would probably argue that in terms of all things considered, the upside on Sunderland, sadly. Probably, probably bigger than buying than buying Ipswich Town. The potential there in terms of getting that stadium full um, and and everything that goes along with that wouldn't. If if there is something in this, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Sunderland. Um, so clearly, clearly, Town fit the bill as well. But it's something we're going to look into a little bit more. That would be amazing trolling though from Ashley if he bought Sunderland. And if yeah. They are definitely available um, in the same geographical area, so that that you would think would maybe be, make more sense. But we don't want Mike Ashley Ipswich, do we, Hutchie? Not exactly got a glittering track record as an owner. Um, no. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know. I haven't followed Newcastle hugely, hugely closely over the last ten years. I think he's owned them for thirteen years. Mm. Um, they've had two promotions from the championship in that time and obviously been relegated there in the first place and yeah there aren't too many Newcastle fans who have particularly good things to say about his his time his time as owner there um, we'll see we will see Will Terry wants to know the biggest sliding doors moment of the season uh, brackets pre-Covid it says the KBY injury would be my suggestion. There's something which, which changed town season. KBY is a great shout, isn't it? Because he was looking phenomenal before he went down injured. 
Anything else you can throw in there, Hutchie? Um, it's kind of tied up in the same time period, but the loss the, the loss at Accrington, um, which was in, I think, I think Vincent Young missed that game with injury. Um, yeah, he, he did, because I think, I think from memory, Grion Edwards ended up beginning his right back journey there. Um, but the man, uh, I don't think the loss that day was down to Vincent Young being out in itself, but to lose that game pretty timidly on TV um, without really testing Accrington overly much, although Luke Wolfenden did have a goal that looked like it might have crossed the line ruled out, but to lose their unbeaten streak in that manner and then back that up three days later, two days later or so with a loss at home to Rotherham. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put that, it's not entirely down to Vincent Young's bit getting injured, but that whole period is just where it where it began to went wrong, and they started scrabbling around. So, yeah, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd kind of agree, but I'd, I'd put it more on what was left behind rather than actually Vincent Young being missing. Mm. George wants to know. We said last week that the town needed a target man. Who do you think's out there for town to buy or get on loan? I would say Leon Clark did a job for Sheffield United in League One, and can do an okay job in the Championship if we get there. Target man striker Hutchie. Any thoughts? Um, Leon Clark. I've always quite liked Leon Clark. Um, he's getting on a bit. He's getting on a bit now. Um, he's he's a big striker. He's more than a more than a target man though. He's quite mobile. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, he's getting on a little bit. But Leon Clark would clearly would score goals for Ipswich. Another striker I've really liked that I've seen play against Ipswich this season again not he's not a bruising target man but he is a bigger striker who can hold the ball a little bit decent in the air um can score goals is is Colby Bishop who uh played up front for Accrington and scored against Ipswich this season I like him um he's not he's not a giant but he uh He's a he's a solid striker who can hold hold on to the ball a little bit and um, do some good things there. So, yeah, he he's one that maybe maybe you'd think about. Do you know who I want town to sign? I'd love to know. Beast mode. <laughs> Get him in. Come on. He's he's surprisingly good feet for a big man. Strongest man in football. Think of the marketing opportunities. Let's get him in. Beast mode for town. Yeah. I would love to see it. I don't think we're going to see it, but there you go. That'd be my that'd be my wish. Ben Brindle wants to know: Would you rather have to use the same toilet for the rest of your life, or never be able to use the same one twice? There's obviously an obvious answer for the moment, but we're not going to be stuck indoors forever. Hutchie, famously working on a book called uh, Eighty Dumps Around the World. You're a, you're a big fan of the toilet. <laughs> um, what are you saying to this end? Would you rather have to use the same toilet for the rest of your life or never be able to use the same one twice? Um, I think it has to be the second one. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, yeah, one, once we're out of this life of staying at home, it's just horribly impractical to, to uh, have to assuming that your nominated toilet would be the one at your house. 
yeah. Yeah, it's just horribly impractical to have to go in search of, of your own home whenever you do anything. So yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take the not being able to use the same one twice option because you'd always have you'd always have the outdoors as kind of a um backup. Nature's toilet. Exactly. So that would all work, that would have to be that would have to be kind of your backup case, I think, for a lot of home home toileting. Do you not? Do you, I feel like I reach a certain comfort level with a toilet. I get to know it. I've got a definite hierarchy at home uh, of which one's my favourite. Do you, do you not get that? We've only got one, so. Ah, I've got three, mate. So I roll, um, and I've Good got. Humble brag. <laughs> I've got a definite tier system of which order they're in. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have a comfort level with toilets, Ben. So if it wasn't horribly impractical, I'd probably go for the same one. Once I've, once I've found one that I like, I'm loyal. But it um, is horribly it, impractical, though. So how are you going to deal with that? Well, I, I can't. Can I? I, can't get, I can't get around that. I can't rip the toilet out and take it with me because then that would then render my comfort, my comfort level with it not on board anyway um so yeah uh christian davis what three features would you like to see lambert and his staff work on with the squad one for me is the passing it's too slow and labored it allows the opposition to get back and defend um yeah i'd agree with that you move move the ball quicker um they've got some good passes of the ball in the team but yeah you, you're right it, moving from from defense to attack can often get held up in midfield when you need a a quicker a quicker accurate out ball, which would be which would be good. Um, I want to see them score more goals from corners. Um, so big thumping headers from centre backs, please work a little bit on that. Um, and I'd like if you're going to utilise players like Vincent Young, I'd like. The goalkeepers maybe to work a little bit. This goes back to passing maybe, but to work on quick throws. We've heard about Thomas Holy. Um, I spoke to his old goalkeeping coach at Gillingham, and he told me that um, he can throw the ball kind of over the halfway line. He's got a monster, a monster throw, but we've not really seen that. But unlike Vincent Young around, be perfect. George Lee wants to know, what are your thoughts on the big kit reveal? Obviously, we've already talked about this, but George says, I'm personally hoping for pinstripes, and I really hope your way kit isn't white. Um, he adds, great pod, guys. Thank you, George. Thanks for listening. Now then, our friend, our new Norwegian friend, our Viking friend, Keenor Sorensen. I hope I've pronounced that better this week, Keenor. He says, hello again, mates. I wish to know who your favourite ever Scandinavian player is and your favourite Scandinavian city. Oslo is very friendly as well. Thank you for the smiles, but Andy not liking bacon made me upset. He says, hopefully he, let, he likes Lego instead. Speak again soon. Stay well. So mm. like, You didn't say he didn't like bacon. You just no. Said overrated. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I certainly like Lego, Keenor, as we've discussed on here before. Um, so your favourite Scandinavian player and city, Hutchie. This is your favourite part of the world. You couldn't ask for a, a more suitable question. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, was it was it Kino that asked about favourite Danish player? Yeah. Last week, yeah. I'd I'd still go with Peter Schmeichel for even opening up for more of Scandinavia to be brought into the conversation. Um, so yeah, Peter Schmeichel very much would be my would be my favourite player, but Reykjavik would be my favourite city. Yeah, you went there on honeymoon, didn't you, Reykjavik? We did, yeah. Very nice. On my on my bucket list of places to go, I've got a list on my phone of, uh, of places that we've got to go, obviously. Very much on hold at the moment. Um, <clears throat> Kino, I think I just referred to you as Norwegian. I do apologise. Obviously, you're Danish. Um, I'm thinking of Sindre, who is our Viking friend from Norway. Um, Favourite Scandinavian player? I'm going to say Jan Molby. Jan Molby. Remember him? Slightly portly. Well, I say slightly portly. He was just portly. But bossed the game from midfield. Um, in terms of favourite cities, I think we discussed last week, I really like Copenhagen. Um, went to a place called Christiansand in Norway, which is one of the, um, the coastal uh, cities, small cities. And we had one of the most incredible meals we've ever had, sitting on the estuary, um, which is basically just prawns and bread with a nice white wine. Saw a man arrive for a meeting on a jet ski. Um, that was pretty cool. Full suit, just just pulled up on a jet ski, took his uh, life jacket off and went straight to a meeting. Very impressive. <laughs> Harry Butcher, is it bad that I really don't like Chinese or Indian food? Whenever the family have it, I have KFC. <laughs> mm. Please tell me this is normal. Uh, well, I'm not really sure what normal is. The new normal is what we're at, the current stage we're in. Uh, I mean, obviously, I... I think, actually, do you like Chinese food? I know you're a big, obviously, a big fan of Indian. Yeah, 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 it's all right. Yeah, I like it. Um, can we quickly just go back to Scandinavia? Yeah. Um, Scandinavia, the definition of that, I don't know how Kinor would, would feel about me saying Reykjavik because I think technically Scandinavia is only Denmark, um, Sweden, and Norway. Ah. Um, kind of bring Iceland and Finland into it sometimes and the Faroe Islands I think um, but if if we're having the expanded Scandinavia I'd go Reykjavik if not I do love Copenhagen so I'd probably just just stick with that because uh, Finland isn't really part of Scandinavia and nor, nor is Iceland even though Iceland a former colony of Denmark of course yeah I always thought Scandinavia was essentially just where all the Vikings uh, emanated from. And there were definitely Vikings from, from Finland and Iceland. Anyway, um, I digress. Back to the KFC question. Um, Harry, you are obviously a friend of the show. If you want KFC over Indian or Chinese, I say go for it. Again, whatever makes, it, whatever makes you happy, my friend. Chris Mills was a rather dark question. You have to pick one. Would you rather lose the ability to read lose the ability to speak <laughs> both difficult choices of journalists wow chris that's that's quite dark um i think i'd rather lose the ability to speak because i i i, uh, I enjoy reading too much to, to not be able to do that and plus i'm quite antisocial so not having to talk to people would be quite good for me i'd be the opposite yeah um yeah um to be honest if i was having to make the choice over losing one of these things um the fact i was a journalist wouldn't 
really be much of a consideration. <laughs> I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be worrying about my career too much at that yeah. point. Um, but I think not being able to speak and communicate uh, with people would be really difficult. So I would I would keep hold of my speech and um, just not read anything. Losing just, guess, just guess. Well, thanks, Chris. You win the uh, the prize for darkest question of the week, anyway. Um, Tim Harvey just wants to know: Kobe, Jordan, or LeBron? Silly question. Um, obviously, Michael Jordan is the answer to that. You can't really. I mean, Kobe and LeBron, as great as they were. Jordan is in a, an entirely different stratosphere for me. Archie, would you agree? I'm more of a LeBron man, actually. LeBron, I, I think you would say, is probably has an argument as the greatest athlete alive currently, both for his ability on the floor and also his willingness to talk out and speak out against uh, civil injustice, which famously is something Jordan always refused to do. Um, yeah, but if you if you Purely talking basketball ability, got to be MJ all day. Andy Mook, 99 ice cream, double flake and hundreds and thousands sprinkled on, or just the one flake and no sprinkles? I'm very much a traditionalist here, Hutchie. I'm a one flake and no sprinkles man. What are you saying? Sprinkles, sprinkles are pointless. <laughs> if you, I'll be honest, if you've got a good ice cream there yeah, and you're, and you're putting sprinkles on it, you've ruined it. Um... If yeah, I can't really I, I can't really argue for sprinkles. I'm afraid, just pointless. There is no argument for sprinkles. That's the take-home message from this. Yeah, point, right? sorry. Uh, King Arthur Pickthorn, do you expect Harry Wright to be our second-choice goalkeeper next season? I think either him or Shebek will be. Yeah. Whenever next season is, it's, it's a um, it's an obvious way to slim the squad down a little bit. And saves a little bit of money, um, mm -hmm. whilst also giving a young player a chance. Who, particularly in Winchester's case, we saw him. We saw him at Peterborough in the trophy. He played well. Um, both of them are good young goalkeepers. So potentially, yeah, potentially um, give them a go as, as the backup. It makes sense in a few different ways. FPL factor. He says, I don't know why this question occurs to me in the current climate, but what are the most obvious lies in football? Uh, obviously, we're very much apolitical here on, on Kings of Anglia, but have you ever um, woken up with, with fuzzy eyesight, Hutchie, and decided to stick your family in the car and go for a 30-mile drive just to make sure you don't crash on your wife's birthday? It's the obvious thing to do, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Certainly. Absolutely. That's all very silly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's bizarre. Um, so, most obvious lies in football, Hutchie, a game where lies are fairly common. Well, uh, you say I think everyone, I think everyone um, is very honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, apart from Arsene Wenger, who never sees anything, he <laughs> he now he should go out and drive more before yeah. before games. He should have been going out. For a little drive, just to um, just to check that his eyes were ready so that he could see something that's going on on the football pitch. That's a great shot, actually. Arsene Wenger, post-match press conferences, as you say, never saw a thing that, that any of his players had done wrong. 
but saw everything, every injustice that had gone against him. Yeah. Um, Simon Bartlett, who joined us on the uh, the live chat last week, said I enjoyed the webinar last week. Says I do commentary for Hospital Radio, so I go to to uh, post match press conferences, and I'd like to know what your favourite press conference you've been to is. Mine would be either McCarthy storming off, or Bielsa ranting at Mel via a translator. So perhaps you, you must have a very good answer to this question because you, in your illustrious career to this thus date, you have also covered Paolo Di Canio's time at Swindon. And he must have had some cracking press conferences. Yeah, every single one from him was really good. Yeah. Um, but the very first one that I ever went to, the, the very first post-match press conference from Paolo Di Canio that I ever, I ever witnessed, he they just they drew one one at Bristol Rovers, were very much in the promotion race, and he from nowhere demanded that the board sanction the signing of three more players, otherwise he'd quit. Um, and that was that was the first time I ever met Paolo. Um, so yeah, that that one. He's had some he's had some really, really memorable ones. The one I, I don't know if people might remember he he substituted his goalkeeper after about twenty minutes of a game. Yeah. Um that one was really that that post match press conference was really good. Um we completely slammed the goalkeeper and said that if he didn't apologize to him he'd never play again. Um <laughs> and said he's not we're not talking about Czech. This is <laughs> League One. <laughs> that was good. And there was another one the day they uh, Swindon could have won the League Two title. They they did ultimately win it, but they could have won it a bit earlier at Accrington. But their defender, Aidan Flint, who a uh, big boy who Ipswich have come across a few times since, um, had a bit of a bad game. Sorry, not Accrington, older shot. Um, yeah. Had a bad game there. And he, Paolo just went mad and started saying, he's blurry. He is blurry. Like, <laughs> essentially accusing him of being drunk, um, which was good. Yeah, lots of, lots of really good ones. Really good well, ones. We ought to do like a, a spin-off just on you telling Paolo the Canio stories because I think that there's so yeah. many ones. Actually, were you involved? I saw um, a few months back on Twitter there was a, a guy put up a thread that he covered um, Paolo at Swindon um, and he told a story about how there used to be a, a kind of Paolo plus backroom staff against Journo's fo- five-a-side football game every week uh, and he recalls a time when some of, the, some of Paolo's team couldn't make it and and but the only time I think he said the Journos team won that week. Uh and then the next week the Canio rocked up about three hours early, uh had them all in formation in his team and they absolutely murdered the Journos team the next week. Mm. Um is that is that something you were part of or heard of? No, I, I knew about it. It was it wasn't a Journos team, it was a kind of team of club staff that the reporter who worked for the BBC Right, locally was invited along to. This was the guy who did the thread. Thread was a guy called Chris Wise. Right, you, you'll hear on Five Live these days. He's a really, really good, really good commentator and an incredibly good footballer as well. Mm. Um, he was quite close friends with a few of the guys that worked at the club and got got invited along to that. Um, so no, sadly, uh, sadly not. Uh, not invited, but I've heard an awful lot of stories from those games. We've got to find an outlet for, for 
Paolo stories. I think people, oh, it's most of town related, but I think people would be interested because he is such a compelling character. Penultimate question for my bag this week comes from Harvey Davis, our friend in the valleys. Friend of the show. Harvey wants to know if Chambers and Skews left, which player from the current group would you see as captain material, assuming Downs has been sold? He says, is there an outside shout for Norwood? So Downs is probably the obvious one if Chambers and Skews were no longer with us. Um, if he's not around either, Hutchie, who are you making captain? Um, I can't I can't see James Norwood being given the, the armband full time. And my, my gut instinct on this is if Luke Chambers, specifically Luke Chambers, was was not around and Cole Skews as well, um, I think they'd need to sign someone because okay. I think for a start they would need a they would need a defender in Luke's mould, um, a little bit younger to replace him. And I think whoever that signing would be would be the incoming skipper. But if it had to be somebody um, within the current ranks, I think I think they'd go for James Wilson. Okay. Um, but um, I'll be honest. I think what really needs to what would really need to happen in that scenario would be them to go out and sign a replacement for Luke Chambers, who would also come in as a, a fresh voice for the armband. Final question comes via the Kings of Anglia Facebook page um, from a Peter Blomgren. It says, hi guys, Peter Blomgren from Uppsala, Sweden here. I'm a regular listener. Uh, if they restart the season, don't you think Lambeau should give the young guys a chance this is a real slim chance of getting promoted, so we're better prepared for next season. He says, what do you think of a midfield four of Dobra, Downs, El Mazzuni and Lancaster, the young guns? I don't think they'd go for a four like that, um, but I think you need, you'd go for the a, a deeper two, an attacking three, which would leave space for one wily old veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would like. I'd like. Um, Emmy Hughes could maybe play that role. Cole Skews could play that role. Or you could go out and bring someone maybe a little bit more tenacious than either of those two in to play that role. Mm. But it would be exciting. Um, we would hear Paul Lambert talk an awful lot about how they would be inconsistent. Um, and it would be unfair on them all to play that role at once. But it, that would be exciting. There you go, Peter. Thanks for listening. We've got quite a lot of Scandinavian listeners getting involved, actually. That's good, isn't it? Very good. We'll have to go over and do one there. We could do a live pod out in Scandinavia. We could do a tour of Scandinavia. That'd be good. Sure, uh, I'm sure Archon would pay the travel expenses. There is no pre-season trip, obviously, this year. So maybe we could do that instead. Yeah, just, yeah we'll just go out and do it. Let's do it. Um, and then, Hutchie, we're coming to the end of the mail of the mailbag and indeed the pod. We're at I think around an hour fifteen minutes, which is a decent time. Have you got anything else to discuss before we head off? Uh, no other business. Okay, well it's the usual spiel for me then. Please hit subscribe in your various podcast providers to get this nonsense into your uh, inbox every week. Also give us a five star review on iTunes if you could because that helps us very much in visibility in the charts and also um, check us out, follow us on all our social medias, Twitter uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Look out for the latest Ross Meets podcast, um, series of interviews that Ross did before going off the furlough. I think we're putting out Christoph Berra 
this weekend, so that should be a good one. Uh, and also, look out, we haven't mentioned it, of course, you may have expected us to mention it on this podcast, it's the 20th anniversary of Town's famous win at Wembley uh, this Friday. And um, We haven't mentioned it on this podcast because we're going to do a special show, a little half-hour show, which we're going to put out on, on Friday, looking back at that game, uh, fan memories. We're also going to ask uh, you to, to send us your memories to get involved in that. Um, we'll maybe watch a few of the highlights and, and just have a good old nostalgic session, uh, me and Hutchie. So look out for that on Friday. Hutchie, I suppose you better get back to work. What what does the week ahead um, entail for you? Uh, a bit more work, really. Even more of these. <laughs> do, uh, another, do another podcast. Yeah. Keep on going. No, uh, no exciting deliveries this week, though. Or three's enough. Come on. Well, you need one a week, don't you? I want the door. I want, I want my door here. That's that's the next line in the sand. <laughs> Fingers crossed that will arrive soon. I uh, hope you all have an excellent week. As I say, tune in on uh, Friday for the next podcast and then again on Saturday for Ross meets Christoph Berra. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.